Welcome back to the Sip and Feast podcast. This is episode number 31. It is 2024. You want to have dishes to get you through the next two weeks of your New Year's resolution until you stop going to the gym. You're going to get the gym membership on January 1st. You got to get to January 14th, and then you'll give it all up. So this is going to help you for those next two weeks. That's very, very pessimistic. I jest. You're going to make it at least to the end of January. No, I mean, I do joke, but realistically, gyms make all of their money in the first two weeks of the year. Yeah. Well, this isn't necessarily about eating to go to the gym. No, it's absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm, I'm playing off on that. But no, why don't you tell them exactly what it is about? So before we get, you know, full into this topic, we want to wish everyone Happy New Year. Right. Yeah, we want to wish you a happy new year. Happy 2024. We're excited for the year to come. We took a few weeks off from uploading to YouTube, which was nice for us to just be able to disconnect a little bit. And, you know, the kids were off from school, so we were able to spend some time doing that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we're, you know, doing podcasts, not that podcasts are easier or anything, but it's vastly easier than making a cooking video. Uh, no disrespect to podcasts. Certain po- I mean, some podcasters do a ton of research, and you know I'm sure it's very hard to produce their stuff. But no, Tara's right. By taking off now from the uploading and from the filming of those cooking videos, it we do essentially feel like we're off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which and is it's, great. It's it's a nice feeling, really, yeah. really nice. So, Jim, obviously this is the new year. One of the things that people do at the start of a new year is they make New Year's resolutions. That's right. And some of the more popular resolutions are to eat healthier, right? Also, maybe to be a little bit more budget conscious um, and also to be more mindful when eating. And I know a lot of people do dry January too, which they eliminate alcohol for the month of January. Yeah, I do wet January. Maximum alcohol. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. (sighs) Kidding. And by the way, this won't be like last... Tara was worried last episode. She thought I was being, what, too aggressive, you said? You were a little... Like, you were a little pessimistic. She was calling me pessimistic. Yeah. But I'm an eternal optimist. I wouldn't be able to do any of this if I wasn't an optimist. I know. I wouldn't. I know. Come on. That's the truth. You were a little bit like curmudgeon-y. Well, I was being curmudgeon-y because a lot of the topics we were talking about in the, the previous episode, if you haven't listened to it, was about what, Tara? It was about food trends of 2023 that we hope to leave behind in 2023. Yeah. and a lot of them were from TikTok and Instagram, and I was being, you know, Tara says curmudgeon I, I think I was just acting my age. You know, there's nothing worse than someone our age who's trying to act like they're 25. Yeah. It's way worse with someone who's old, 45. I wouldn't say old. I would say well-aged. Um, <laughs> like a fine wine. No, it, it's just, you know, you're not you're not 25 anymore. That That's what it comes down to. So a lot of those trends that Tara was talking about, I had no idea what they were. And apparently they were super popular. I didn't know. Am I living under a rock? I don't think I'm living under a rock. I mean, I I make this, I make food content, you know? It's just, but 
yeah, maybe I just wasn't a part of that universe. So enough of that. Yeah. Let's bring in the optimism for 2024. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is really helpful when trying to adhere to any type of, whether it be a diet or a resolution or a schedule or any type of new habit that you're trying to form or old habit you're trying to shed is to plan for it, right? So I think one of the best things that you can do, let's say you want to eat a little bit healthier or maybe you want to maybe you want to eat less takeout, yeah. right? Because I think that's something that- You get instant in the month, gains from it, that. Yes. And in the month of December, when we're all incredibly busy and running around and we've got- the kids winter concerts and and sporting things for them and holiday events and parties and you're working around the clock depending on what you do for a living i think in the month of december you might have eaten out quite a bit or yeah. not eaten out at a restaurant but have brought stuff home and maybe some of it's fast food so in the new year maybe we all want to be a little bit more mindful about what we're eating that's why i think that's a common resolution so one of the things you can do is to be really intentional about going grocery shopping. Because I think one of the things that I kind of fall fall prey to is that if I don't have something to make in the house that's kind of like quick, I might be like, let's go and let's get sandwiches or let's order from the bowl place around or order here. from seaport deli the best deli in well, the world <laughs> yeah they really are actually i might want to get them <laughs> tonight anyway <laughs> the I, heroes they make are like 16 or 17 dollars and i know you're like jim what are you talking about let me tell you something these heroes you could feed a family with one of them yeah you can get like what i've ordered i love their chicken salad it's like chicken salad with like cranberries. It's it's it sounds basic, but it's really good. When I get that chicken salad wrap, that thing lasts me three days. Like I get three meals out of it. Yeah. So this place just great heroes. Uh, Guy Fieri goes there all the time. You know. <laughs> no, he was there. He doesn't go there all the time. He was there for a diners. He did it. Yeah, diners, drive-ins, and he dives. did a triple D there. Yeah, it, triple this D. is a famous place. Yeah. This this uh, it's and amazing. It happens to be right by our house, so it, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. But anyway, so I'll be tempted to be like, oh, let's just get this because it's easy. But I find that if I make sure I stock up on some of those things that are kind of easy to make in a pinch, then it's more likely that we will be eating stuff that we've made at home. I agree with it. And let's go into some of those. Is that what we're going to do right now? Yeah. So Jim, feel free to disagree with me here, but I think one of the best types of meals that you can make when it comes to like prepping ahead of time and being healthy are soups and chilies really right because they're both simple they're both better when they're made ahead of time so i think they're really good for making like if you make a giant pot of soup what type of face do i have on right now do, do i disagree you, with you or agree with i think you? you're gonna agree with me damn Right, I'm going to okay. agree with you. <laughs> okay, yeah. so I think that if you can stock up on some of the basics for soups, like I'm thinking like beans, lentils, maybe have some ground turkey, some ground beef, maybe you know stuff that's in the freezer, stuff that you're able to, to get to very easily. 
um, I think that will help you set yourself up to be more successful with regards to how you're eating and sticking to a budget also. Yeah, I mean, there's no better way to accomplish that goal of eating healthy and sticking to a budget than to go into the aisle of your store, your your supermarket, that has all the beans, uh, lentils, stuff like that. Now you could buy them in bags or you could buy cans. Even cans are very economical. Often they'll have like three for $2 or five for $6 or sale like that. I like the cans a lot because it makes things a lot quicker. You have to be a little bit more- Planful. You have to plan for things more if you if you use bagged stuff. No problem there. And you can even do a bunch of them in advance. Like you could do a bunch of beans and you can even store them in your fridge for a couple days for other, other uh, soups and chilies. But the cans really, really work well when you just, you're kind of in a jam. You know, maybe your kid had- Soccer, basketball. Well, we're in January here, so it's going to be basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, you can put something together very quickly. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to to highlight, or the one ingredient I wanted to highlight, um, are lentils. And specifically, this podcast is being uploaded on January first, right? Which is New Year's Day, and it's Italians, Italian Americans, and also other nationalities and cultures believe that eating lentils on the first day of the new year can actually bring good luck. Yeah. And I I always knew this, but I didn't know why. So I looked it up and apparently it kind of stems from the fact that lentils are shaped like coins. So the more lentils you eat, the more wealth you will have in the coming year. And the more gas you'll have too. Okay. So you have wealth and gas. That just took a turn for the <laughs> unexpected. So- one of my favorite things to make with lentils, and and by the way, I don't lentils don't require as much. If you're using a bag of lentils, they don't require as much prep ahead of time as dried beans do. Oh yeah. So yeah. lentils are really good in a pinch. You can make a lentil soup in an hour. Yeah. So people often because we have a couple lentil soup videos. One of them or both of them have a lot of views. Like one of them has over a million, so it has like two thousand comments and. A lot of uh, people from non like non Italian cooking, like so it'll be like Indian or like different, just different cultures. They'll let me know, let me know everything I did wrong there, and they say you have to soak your lentils and you have to do all this. And, and listen, you you can, and it actually is better to soak your lentils, but you don't have to. They'll take a little bit longer to cook in a pot. Another myth I wanted to spell, I really wanted to spell this, and if you don't believe me, just please use Google. It is your friend. You do not have to wait to salt your lentils. This is a myth. This is a lie. It is completely, utterly, 100% wrong. What, What is the myth? It's that you have to salt lentils at the end. If you don't, if you salt them at the beginning, it will make your lentils tough. Oh, it's actually the opposite. If you salt your lentils, it will actually make them more tender. Okay. Serious Eats has an article on it. Uh, America's Test Kitchen, if you have a subscription, because otherwise then their stuff is locked up. You can't see it. But there's dozens of articles. It actually, you could just Google the term. It'll go to like page five and it'll, every one of them will be talking about dispelling that myth. It is a myth. And before you say, oh, well, that's all wrong. Right here, 30 years experience cooking lentils. It doesn't make a difference whether you salt them first or last. 
you're going to get the same results, okay? I just had to put that one to rest because people are like super fixated on that one. I think the soaking part doesn't just, it doesn't just make them easier to cook or helps them cook faster. I think it's mostly about phytic acid. Yeah, it removes the phytic acid. It makes them uh, more readily, the nutrients more readily absorbed into your body. So they say that's, that comes from that alternative medicine world that a lot of like yeah. people I don't agree with. You're supposed to soak your oats too if you're making oatmeal. That's the same information. Same comes, thing. Because th- th- there's a phytic acid. That's all in the oats natural, too. like the holistics yeah. food websites that Google has essentially took an atom bomb to and doesn't doesn't even let that stuff go on the internet anymore because they're saying they're not putting out information that is like a, approved by the what 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 is the organization like the doctors. Is it the ADA? Is it the World Health? The World I don't, I don't Health even, Organization? Honestly, I don't, even, I don't even know. Basically, a lot of sites that were making claims, holistic claims, anything that wasn't backed up with peer-reviewed science, those sites are hard to find on the internet now. And I'm not saying whether it's true or not. I'm just, just telling you that's how it is. But as far as the, and I don't know about the phytic acid, Tara might be right about that. But as far as assaulting before or after, it doesn't make a difference. Okay. So it's still kind of in the same vein, though. More beans and, and legumes, some of those soups that that we make frequently that I think are are pretty healthy and, and definitely good for sticking to a resolution. Escarole and bean soup, mm, right? Good. The Tuscan white bean soup. Super easy. See what you did there? Super easy. <laughs> Pasta fazool, minestrone, and split pea soup. I have all of those as really great soups to make ahead. Maybe you double or even triple our recipe. Maybe you want to freeze some of it so that you have it when you're in need of like a quick weeknight meal. I agree with everything you're saying here. I want to give people, I want to give you like the cheat code to to flavor town, as Guy Fieri would say. So if you have smoked ham hocks, it will make things so much better. I've always been surprised slash amazed slash confounded with how much people like my basic Italian lentil soup because it doesn't have a hammock in it. It is a very basic recipe. There's not, in my opinion, too much flavor in it. You know, we put a parm rind in there. You got a lot of uh, extra virgin olive oil, and then you could finish it off with your, fin- you know, your finishing of choice, red wine vinegar, more cheese, extra virgin olive oil, whatever. But to make it infinitely better, is to just put a ham hock in it. And the ham hock will work for any of the soups that Tara mentioned. It will improve all of them. There's something magical about a smoked ham hock that is $2 at the store. Mm-hmm. You could buy a whole pack of them. Super cheap. Yeah, for like $10. And you just add it to your soup. So like it, it, the better example is split pea soup. If you make split pea soup without a ham hock, it is disgusting. It is okay? not disgusting. It's not good at all. No. It's, okay. It's really not. Well, no, you it know is. What? You know what? This is a good one right here. This is good. You let us know what you think. First of all, this goes back to our picky eater episode, which is, I think, on Patreon, where we say that you should never say that somebody's food is disgusting. So why are you saying that? Okay, well, you actually are being, you are making a good point there. I now, that am. Was, that was a Patreon episode, so not everybody saw it. So Yeah, but the, the point is that if you have kids and you constantly are making comments like, that's gross, I would never try that, that's disgusting, I can't believe he or she eats that. 
or I can't believe this restaurant serves that. You're going to create a little army of picky eating minions. Don't don't say words like disgusting when you're talking about somebody's food because there's plenty of delicious vegetarian split pea soups out there. Okay, so I'm going to agree with Tara here. I shouldn't have said disgusting. I'm going to say it's going to be way better if you use a ham hock. Now, that being said, you can't take my recipe, my split pea recipe, the one that's on the site, or any other one that has a ham hock in it, you cannot take the ham hock out and expect it to be good. You're going to have to make a lot of modifications. Do you at least agree with me in that respect? Like if you pull the ham hock out of our split pea, Mm -hmm. you are literally left with split peas, carrot, and salt, along with water, if you're going to be, if you want to make it, you know, vegetarian, vegan, that's not going to taste good. You're going to have to, you're going to have to add probably a ton of smoked paprika. Yeah. Something smoked. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know really all the stuff that's used like in vegan cooking, but like amino acids and all that, uh, vegan cheese, what is it, nutritional yeast, all that. You're going to have to add a whole bunch of I that stuff I don't think you there. have to add any of that. I think you will be just fine. I want using... you to let us know yeah. what you think. Here. I think it would be great with smoked paprika, okay? You let us know. Yeah. That's, I, I don't think you need to do a whole bunch of work to it. It's her opinion. That's my opinion. We want to know your opinion. I think your New Year's resolution should be to be less cranky. Less cranky? I think it should be to turn up the notch less... a little bit and to have Ugh, you- I don't think I could survive another notch. And to have you <laughs> defend yourself well like you just did there. So now tell me what the next one is that I'm going to rip apart. Well, I think you're going to say that, that you can't make this vegetarian, and I'd probably agree with this. But some of the other soups that I have are spicy sausage and potato kale soup, and I have beef barley soup. Both of them obviously <laughs> yeah, that, are not vegetarian. Those are not. Those are not. Unless you uh, get somebody like Sauce Stash on the case, and he'll start you know making like the meats for it, like seitans and all that. Yeah. So what do you think of those soups? I think those soups are fabulous. But yeah, I mean, they're not, you can't make them vegetarian, vegan, which is which isn't what this discussion no, is about it's anyway. Not. It's just about yeah giving you ideas for recipes that you can kind of make ahead of time, have in your fridge or have in your freezer to use in a pinch when you're getting tempted to maybe stray from your New Year's resolution to eat better or to eat less takeout or to be more budget friendly. Yeah, so th- that was the sausage kale one mm-hmm. and what was the other Beef one? Beef barley. Yeah, so these are both high calorie soups. These are mm-hmm. these are full meal soups. The beef barley that we have, uh, the recipe f- that you can use or you can use somebody else's beef barley, it has a lot of beef chuck in there, which is oh, it's just a lot of calories. And barley itself is very hearty, so... It's a good one. It's a good one to feed your family. You can make a lot of it. And even if you're spending, say, $8 a pound for Chuck, you know, the whole pot will cost you $20 to $25 and you can feed six people with it mm-hmm. and not, and they won't be hungry afterwards. That's that's an important thing. Same thing with the spicy uh, sausage kale soup because that one has, it's got your greens in there, the really nice, healthy kale. And if you don't like kale, you could put spinach in there easily. You can always substitute. Any recipe that has kale, don't feel like you can't make it. You can just put spinach in it. And also, any soup recipe that doesn't have spinach, I feel like you can always add spinach to it. Like yes. even like chicken soup, add spinach to it. 
Yeah. Just if you want extra greens. For sure. And that's part of the reason why I put spinach in our basic Italian lentil soup. I just mm -hmm. thought it was too basic. That's why I did that. And yeah. it's not how my grandmother or my mother made it. They would always just, it would just not have it in there. Mm -hmm. But I felt like it needed something. As far as these two, these are great. Uh, I forgot to mention the one you mentioned previously was uh, the minestrone. Our minestrone is excellent. I highly suggest you make it. It's just it's just an awesome soup. I was always disappointed that that video didn't do well because everybody who's made that one adores it. Why are you disappointed that the video didn't do well I wanted to share well, it with then. more people. I wanted people to experience it. That's fine. It it's is what it is. It's such a good soup. Yeah, but why would you dwell on that? You know what it is? Like, I feel that my idea of minestrone always from when I was young was that it wasn't that good. My idea of minestrone was Campbell's minestrone. With the little alphabet And pasta. it wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah, and I never liked it. So really, the only minestrone I ever really did like was the one that you made. It was good. So minestrone is here. People will just call a soup minestrone, and they'll you know have a basic idea for it. Most people will probably think of the Campbell's version that Tara's talking about, which is a red brothy one with some... Little pasta, the Campbell's one, it's cute. They have the I remember alphabet. it had lima beans in it, which I like when I was a kid, for whatever reason, I just wasn't like a big fan of the lima beans in that soup. I think they were like the texture bothered me for some reason. They're gritty lima yeah, beans. Yeah, they are. But I haven't had lima beans recently. Like I would like to try them again and see if I like them as an adult. I like lima beans. I mean, lima beans are butter beans. You yeah, know, I you love- You know they're the same beans. I love beans. That's why I'm like, I want to- I want to try them again. So lima beans, I always think of lima beans being green, and I always think of butter beans being white. Yeah, butter beans are larger. Bean. Same bean. Yeah, but no, there is a difference. No, they're really the same bean. How come one's bigger? I think one's fully grown and one's not. Oh, okay. They're, so then I probably do like them because I like butter beans. Yeah, no, you, you probably do. And you know, as far as minestrone goes, there's so many versions in Italy. There's like each area has their own minestrone. So- if you look up online, you can start typing in um, Minestra, right? Minestra, yeah. Minestra, yeah. Minestra de whatever. So you'll f see like Minestra de Calabria, Minestra de um, Toscana. You know, like it'll just be, it'll be the area and it'll have different stuff in it. Whatever stuff is a part of that particular region. And then they'll, they'll also have different ones based on the seasons. So when it's fall and they have the squash, they'll add the squash to their mm -hmm. to their minestra. And then when, obviously, when the summer vegetables are in season, so the soup changes according to the season versus don't think of it as just minestrone has to be this way because that's the way my Nona made it. That's not a good way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you said pasta fazool before, just another easy one. And mm -hmm. did you say pasta piselli or? Pa no, I didn't. Yeah. But I know pasta piselli and pasta ceci are probably also good pantry items. Cucina, what is it called? Cucina po oh, po povera. Cucina povera. So that is a really inexpensive food mm -hmm. that you can feed an army of people. Yeah. So those are all good. If you haven't tried those, definitely try them. Another one is pasta uh, patate and pasta lentiki, which is a little bit drier than a lentil soup, but that's pasta with lentils. Mm -hmm. And those, what I would bucket as more of the budget items, not necessarily like super healthy. 
Yeah, they're items. not super healthy. There's not really a because it's pasta. I mean, honestly, some things that are very budget that are healthy would be a frittata. I have that here on my list. There you go. Yeah. So right. I have frittatas because you can stock up on your eggs, right? You'll have your eggs in your fridge almost at all times. Um, and then they're very they're very versatile. So you can really add anything to a frittata. In yeah. fact, I usually do it's always eggs and there's always a potato of some sort. So whether it's white potatoes or sweet potatoes. But then I'll often take whatever we have laying around and throw it into the frittata. So maybe one, and we try and make them like once a week. So maybe one week, if we have sun-dried tomatoes laying around, we'll do it with sun-dried tomatoes. And another week, maybe it's spinach and goat cheese. Maybe another week, it's ham that we have left over. Yeah, it could be as simple as say you did an antipasto like a big platter, mm-hmm. say you did an antipasto for New Year, New Year's, like a nice board or charcuterie board, you can take some of those meats and the cheeses, chop them up into chunks, put them in your frittata. Mm-hmm. Another very unorthodox one that maybe you haven't thought of, but would be great, and we've never done this, but it's just coming to me right now. Say you make a really good sausage and peppers, or say you make a really good sausage potato and peppers. Mm-hmm. You can just dice that, more so, yeah, and then just mix it with a bunch of eggs, 12 eggs, whatever, in your cast iron pan, some cheese, you know, nice, you know, three quarter cup pecorino, just mix it all together, bake it, and you will have a delicious meal that will feed a lot of people. That's true. And the frittata, when we have it, we're usually eating it for dinner, yes, but it is good if you make it for breakfast, you can take like a slice of it to work with you. Um, and it's good to make ahead. So if you want to make a frittata one night and you're like, you know what, I'm going to save this and we're going to eat it for dinner tomorrow night. then that's great too. Yeah. I would say just serve it maybe with a salad. And that's something I think we've been trying to do is eat more salads. We try and end the meal with a salad. Always. So, and that goes back to the, the prepping also. If you have, if you always have salad stuff in your fridge, it's more likely that you'll use it rather than having to go out to the store and, and pick it up. Playing off that, if you want to have salad stuff in your fridge that's actually going to last, you, you got to have what? Romaine. And? Iceberg. Yeah. If you have- Like mescaline Mescaline mix, whatever. Yeah, those don't last, don't last as long. Well, once you open the container, then they don't last. You can probably get a few days out of it. They're not good. I mean, you got to work quick there. Those greens, I feel, are meant for- They're more delicate. Fancy restaurants that they have a little green garden outside. They pick their greens. They put it right on. It's like a farm-to-table restaurant. They're not hearty. They're, you know, they don't last as long. Kale is very hearty. And if you keep kale on hand and throw that into soups, that's also another good thing. Yeah. Kale is will last a long time in your fridge. And just remember with kale, you just, the stems, really thick stems, you really don't want to put them in your soup. Yeah. I think that's- They're kind of hard to eat. Because I think some people who don't, maybe you don't use a lot of kale, mm-hmm. that might confuse. Yeah. I think it's fine to keep the stem towards the tip of the leaf, but like the bottom stem, that's really yeah, hard even, and even fibrous. Tip, I yeah. would. It doesn't mean you have to throw it out. You could use it for- 
stock or definitely compost. compost, Definitely compost it. The other thing I have here is seafood and fish. Yeah. I think in general, fish is something that's really good for people who are looking to have a little bit of a healthier diet, right? I love fish. I love talking about it. Every time we talk about it, I feel like it doesn't really resonate. I could be because maybe you're here from our pasta norcina or our short rib ragu, and for whatever reason, you're not into it. I Allow me to try to convince you that, and it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter if you live on the coast like we do, or if you live in the middle of America, because you can get fish, frozen fish, that's portioned in Trader Joe's or places mm-hmm. like that, Whole Foods, or, or whatever local supermarket you have. That's how most fish is sold. So you'll be fine. And you can make really healthy meals, delicious meals with fish. Yeah. And I was actually going to say the same thing about getting the pre-portioned yeah. fish from Trader Joe's. Costco also has great Big bags of portioned salmon, Mm -hmm. cod, flounder, swordfish, whatever. Yeah, but I think that's a good way to, if you're trying to eat healthy, fish is definitely a great, a great option. It's, you feel great after you have fish, a meal of fish. Now, the one time you won't feel great is if you make fish and chips, I would say, like if you batter the whole thing and fry it, because then you're consuming a lot of the oil that absorbed into your batter. But if you do just a roasted fish, if you do a baked fish with maybe a little bit of breadcrumbs on top, maybe some cherry tomatoes, extra virgin olive oil, garlic, a little white wine, a little lemon, really, really simple, super easy. You know, you could put all your stuff in a baking dish, your fish and all that in the baking dish. You can wait a minute, prep your vegetable, or you could put it in the oven and quickly prep your vegetable. You can have a simple meal on the table fairly easily. Yeah, and I feel like one of the good, I I like, if I'm gonna make fish, I like to serve it with usually like a sauteed green, like spinach that's sauteed with garlic or even kale, because I feel like the fish kind of pairs well with that. And then if you wanted to serve some sort of a starch with it, I always think rice is a really good definitely side to have with with fish. It's quick too. Rice rice is a little quicker for people. I mean, if you really want to go super quick, you could get the pre, uh, you know, the bags that you microwave. Yeah, Trader Joe's has the brown rice. Yeah. that's you. It's frozen, and yeah. then you just microwave it, it and fine. it's ready. It works it's fine good. because it's hard to get rice done in that amount of time that you're going to cook your fish. Same thing with potatoes. It will take a little bit longer than you need, but you can just start them 10 minutes early before you make your fish. Yeah, you could. I hope you make more fish. You will will feel proud of yourself. And if you make it with enough flavor, your family will be happy too. Mm -hmm. They might complain if you don't. And, you know, let's get off of Italian for a second. What is a great way for people to make fish that we often do? Oh, the salmon with the miso? Miso glaze. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's really, a good one. Very easy. Yeah. It's you know, we um, gotta put that on the site. We gotta put the fish with the glaze on the site. Don't we use like a variation of Jacques Pepin's? They're all very similar. Recipe. They all I think they all kind of come from Marimoto. 
um, mm-hmm. the original the no- Iron Chef. The Nobu. Yeah, no, Nobu. I think everything kind of comes from him. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if that's the case. He popularized, and since he was on the Iron Chef, basically all of the cooks now who are doing similar stuff, it all kind of uh, comes from him. Another ingredient item that I have listed to kind of maybe stock up on when you're trying to stick to your New Year's resolutions would be chicken because there's so many different ways that you can make chicken, whether it's chicken breast or whole chicken or chicken parts. Um, so what are some of the recipes that come to your mind on how to make like kind of like a, a quick but healthy-ish type of meal? Okay, so the, the whole chickens, baked chicken with potatoes or chicken Vesuvio, those aren't exactly quick. They're not. They're yeah. not quick. And depending on how quickly you can break down a chicken, they're not too quick. You got to dry it off because if you don't dry it off, your chicken will steam and then it won't look good. It won't look like the pictures that you know, you'll know you see on my site or on other people's sites where it's beautiful color on the chicken. Simple dish that's healthy would be the chicken with cherry tomatoes and capers. I'm so glad you said that because yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's so good too. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's like a, five ingredients. That's like Angie's creation. Yeah, five ingredients. Right? I think she has a couple more. I kind of like always try to simplify dishes as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Do that for you. I But I don't want to lose any flavor. So there's a little bit of an art to it. I'm not doing anything by having 37 ingredients in it. That's going to turn you off. You're not going to make it. And I do want you to make it. There's other people on YouTube and TikTok that will have 37 or 47 ingredients in their food, and that is simply to impress you. They know you're not going to make it. They're doing it strictly for entertainment. I actually want you to make this food, mm-hmm. and yeah. most people are not going to want to have have that many ingredients. That's one of the best weeknight chicken dishes that we have is the, the capers, cherry tomatoes. I think there's a little bit there's, – there's garlic. There's a little bit of white wine in it. Olive oil. An olive oil, and it's so easy, and it's so good. It's a cap- the caper vinegar. If you want to make it a little bit more complex, you could finish it with cold butter too, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super simple. We'll link that one. You can get that one done quickly. Do you have any other healthy-ish before we we move on to the next? Uh no, for chicken, you mean? No, for for anything, because I think we're. I think we did. I think we got a good. Yeah. We did a good amount. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Why don't we move into questions then? Sure. Jim, this question comes from Sue. Hey, Jim, what can we expect from Sip and Feast in 2024? Um, That's a little bit of a broad question. Well, Sue is her name. Yeah. So Sue, I am going to continue to push into different areas with the food. It's not just going to, it's not going to always be Italian and Italian American. That being said, since we have the book coming up, I can't abandon that. All right. I, it's like our core, everything we built here was because of, because of that type of food. But would I like to do say a Mongolian beef? The answer is yes. Would I like to do a good pork fried rice? Like how you get it at a New York Chinese place? The answer is yes. Maybe a beef and broccoli. Jim, stop talking about Chinese food. Okay, well, maybe a good butter chicken from an Indian restaurant. Tikka masala. Maybe a really good kebab from one of those places. Maybe a really good- uh, What about schnitzel? Schnitzel or gyro. Gyro? Gyro. (laughs) 
Yero. I'm trying to think, what else? I'm not going to be a sushi chef. I think I said that in a previous couple episodes ago. That's not going to happen, you know? We already talked about the folly of Thor Gunderson being the sushi chef in Minnesota. <laughs> His name changes every time you say it. <laughs> what other foods would you think, Tara, besides the ones I mentioned that are not Italian that we should do? Pasticcio, that's a Greek one. Uh, yeah, I think maybe, Moussaka. maybe doing some some American food. Like, I don't know. Like a burger. A burger is something that I think we're missing. And we need to get that on the website. It's such a fine line. Like I try to get the most, make it look the del most delicious as possible in picture form and in the videos we make. But- at the same time, make it look like, and it's the truth, I'm not making anything, that I'm actually cooking in a small environment on a portable burner. Because having it super elaborate, good food, if I have a professional kitchen, that's not selling it, I don't think. That's telling you, oh yeah, Jim can make good food. He's got a $28,000 range in back of him. No, I'm cooking on a $45 portable butane burner. Yeah, That's kind of the allure that we're trying to go for. Yeah. And that's the truth, though. So anything else folks can expect from us in, in the new year? Honestly, I I think we don't even know where we're going to finish at the end of the year, right? I mean, look at... Yeah, bread. it could be breads and stuff, but I don't know if they're, they're going to be what will work so well on YouTube. We always want to try new things. And the great thing about expanding into into these other areas is that it just opens up the door so much. We're going to we're going to do some more French recipes. There's a uh, cassoulet that I want to do. Oh, I want to do a bunch of uh German uh like the sauerbraten for Oktoberfest, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Well, maybe we'll do maybe an Irish one or two, though we already did a few of them. I'm sure I'm missing something that is like super obvious to you, but the bottom line is we, we're going to keep, oh, we're going to do a good chicken sandwich, show you how to do a real good fried chicken sandwich on a portable burner. If there's anything that you want us to make in 2024, send us an email and let us know. Yeah, let us know. And also, if you haven't done this already, give this podcast a five-star rating. That really helps us. In addition to that, subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, not just here on YouTube, okay? Do it there too. That will help it. It will increase, it'll push up our rating, our rankings, and then it will make us one step closer to taking over the planet in the food podcast industry. <laughs> because I don't know what else you listen to, but you know, we have been checking out some other podcasts, uh, food podcasts, and really kind of like, we, we don't find anything that's similar to what we're doing mm -hmm. here. A lot of them are kind of city-focused, Manhattan, you know, like hipster-focused, like what's going on in that type of food scene. That's completely not what we're about. So those are not, like, this is just not what we're doing. We we are trying to look for other ones that are similar to us, and you can let us know that too. But mm -hmm. it, that will give us inspiration to kind of know where we want to push this podcast, like which way we want to do it. Mm-hmm. We're, we don't have any guests yet. We're not sure about guests. We're in a big area here, big room. We could do it, but then that would add a lot more complexity where we'd probably need help, like a producer. And we like to keep things very intimate, just, just the two of us here talking into these cameras. We could do remote people, like uh, remote filming, like a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. 
But my fear there is that the audio won't be good. Yeah, that's always a possibility. That's that's yeah. a problem. The the really like um, big budget podcasts when they have guests and you say the audio sounds great, what they do is they actually send one of these mics. This mm-hmm. mic costs four hundred dollars. They send and then with a stand, and they'll even send like like a camera. <laughs> they'll send it all to them and they'll show them, give them instructions, or their mm-hmm. producer will help them set it up because they want it to be good and they can't rely on the person having kind of a crappy mic or yeah. whatnot. So these are all things that we really haven't been, we don't know if we want to do. So yeah, we're still kind of toe in the water. Okay. One more question. This is from Max. Jim, this is the year I'm gifting myself an outdoor wood-fired pizza oven. Your pizza recipes are all on the pizza steel. Do you think you'll ever create recipes for outdoor pizza ovens? And if not, can I just adapt your recipes to be used outside? So Max, this is a great question. So here's the deal. We get a lot of questions about this. And the pizza recipes on YouTube never took off the way that they did for, say, other YouTubers. Like Brian Lagstrom has YouTube pizza videos that have millions of views. And there's the Adam Ragusa that have millions of views. And and then there's like this guy Vito Acapelli, I know I'm saying his name wrong, that he just has a pizza channel. So our pizza videos never took off that way. That being said, they we get a ton of comments on the site and questions. So people are coming to our website because I think all three of those people that I just mentioned don't have websites. They don't have, so people like, they're, they're watching those videos and they're like, oh, I can't really understand how to do it. So then they come over to us and they see like all the photos and how to do it. So one of the common questions that we get often is, can I use a different type of flour? So I don't really want to get too complex here, but if you're going to use a Caputo flour, like the blue bag, I think, or the red bag, those are both for wood-fired ovens, So, which are like 900-degree ovens. You wouldn't want to use that flour and do it on my pizza. And conversely, you wouldn't want to take my pizza dough and do it on an outside wood-fired oven. You really want to be using the correct dough for the correct application. That is a question that we get asked all the time is, can I use this flour, this flour? Because I think you use bread flour, right? I use King Arthur bread flour. That is the most accessible flour in the country, bread flour in the country. I did that for a reason. The the flour that is used by New York pizzerias almost universally is what, Tara? Do you know? All Trumps. All Trumps, okay? That's a General Mills product, I believe. I think it's General Mills. It's all Trump's flour. And that's a higher protein content than King Arthur's bread flour. Okay, it's like, it's higher. So it gives you more of a chew. I didn't use that because I knew people were gonna have a problem getting it. That's why the same reason, I'm definitely not gonna use something that's more obscure. Mm-hmm. It just disenfranchises too many people. That's why I don't use like Wagyu in my steak au poivre video, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So Jim, so- to answer part of this question, though, do you think you'll ever create recipes for outdoor pizza ovens? Yes, if I do use an outdoor pizza oven, but again, the outdoor pizza oven that I use, Max, is going to be probably an uni, which is a $400 pizza oven. I'm not going to be cooking, if I even if I have a 10, if I put a $10,000 pizza oven in my backyard, which I don't have, I'm not going to be like, hey guys, come outside to my $10,000 pizza oven. And let me show you how to make pizza like me. Who the heck is that going to help? Like 12 people, you know? So 
I would have to make sure that the recipe I'm given is made for a product that is accessible to a sizable portion of the audience. Again, that's just how I operate. Other people don't operate that way. Again, we're all from an, it's all instruction here. That's the thing. It's not about entertainment, though we want to be entertaining. It's like, if I was just making YouTube videos, if I was like one of those people that I mentioned and just making YouTube videos, which is all they do, then I would treat my content more in a different way. I would try to make it more entertaining, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. For a recipe website, people are only coming there for one thing. Instruction. Instruction yeah, for the recipe. Yeah, they're not coming to be entertained. They're not coming to be entertained. So it's it's it it doesn't work then to be super, try to be like, oh, I'm gonna be this ultra flamboyant entertaining person and then have, the continuity won't be there between the YouTube videos and the site. And it's really important to me that continuity is always there. I think that's a good answer. I tried my best. Plus, I think if we if we were to create a recipe, that would in, that would mean that we would have to invest in one of those expensive outdoor ovens. Almost did it. We were going to do, when we used to do sponsors, we don't do them anymore. Doesn't mean we won't do them in the future, but we were going to try to do one with, there's like Uni, Rock-A-Box, there's a couple brands. Well, yeah, I'm talking like the, the, I think the one that Max is talking about, he says he's gifting himself an outdoor wood-fired pizza yeah, oven. Yeah, he's talking about an expensive oven. I think he's oven. talking about an expensive oven. So we'd yeah. have to we'd have to invest and do that. And I think, honestly, I think the only way that we would do that is if somebody came to us and said, hey, I'll build this for you. It still would disenfranchise the audience because I know. they, they, they yeah, can't, no, no, they you're can't right. make it on there. You're right. That's the problem. You're right. Max, there's plenty of people though that are that do have one of those expensive ovens. And I think the one you're talking about is probably one of the ones that is on wheels that weighs about five to six hundred pounds. I've seen them, they go for about two to ten thousand dollars, depending on the brand. Some of them are from Italy, some of them are from China. Um they're great products, all of them. They all work well. Uh, it's something very cool about having one of those wood-fired ovens because you know you can leave your fire for hours and then you can get it lit again by putting some more logs in and and you can cook any type of food in there too. It doesn't just have to yeah. be pizza. Yeah. Hope that answered your question, Max. Leave your questions to podcast at sipandfeast.com. Tyra, you got anything to say before we head out? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for watching. We will see you all through 2024 and beyond.